Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Let's open up our Bibles, Luke chapter 15. And if you didn't read your Bible this week, I got you covered. Luke chapter 15. We're going to read 24 verses, and I'm going to try to read them as quickly as possible so that I can keep your attention, okay? And if you don't have a Bible, please, you can look at the screens on uh, on the front, but I want to encourage you to please pick up a Bible uh, in our Kuha Connect area. Pick up a Bible. It'll be a blessing to your life. We want you to start. We want to roll out the red carpet on your relationship with Jesus, and one of the best ways to do that is to pick up A Bible. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 24. If we can pick up a little bit on the monitors. It says, the tax collector and the other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it to his home and on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together, watch this, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And returns, and and, and he goes, in the same way there is more joy in heaven. Watch this. This is the part that gets me. In the same way there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Everybody shout repents. And returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light up a lamp, sweep the entire house, look like Lisa for about three hours, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and her neighbors and say, put on your mask before you walk into the door because it's, no, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repent verse 11 to illustrate the point further Jesus told them this story a man had two sons the youngest son told his father I want my share of the estate before you die you clearly know that this was not a Hispanic home you can see what I mean you know what I mean like oh, I want my inheritance oh you want, you want inheritance okay the youngest son told his father I want my share of the estate before you die so his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons a few days later This younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time, about this time that the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and a man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods of the pigs that they were feeding in looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses he said to himself at at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger I will go home to my father and say father I have sinned against both you and heaven and I am no longer worthy of being your son please take me as a hired servant so this man was in this man was just in a bad situation and he knew that at home it'd be better you know, you know what I'm talking about? You know when someone, like, they don't confess. They just, they just, they don't say they're sorry, but they say they're sorry because they got caught. Like, you're not sorry. You're just sorry you got caught. Come on. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. In a while, he was still a long way off. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, watch this, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Did you catch that? He said, 
His son comes into the picture. His son is like, please, dad, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I just hire me. I need a job because I have no way to provide for myself. And the father didn't even respond to his comeback speech. He responded to his servants. servants. He said, hey, I need you to bless my son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring me the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine who was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. My title to this message is this, the power of repentance. The power of repentance. Look at the person next to you, tell them the power of repentance. And don't worry, I didn't change skin color. I'm not sunburned, I'm sun toasted. Come on, somebody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these precious moments that we get to gather together, Lord God. I pray that you speak to your church community today in a way that only you can, Lord God. Everybody here came for something, and I pray that you release that into their lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a strong clap offering of praise in this house? Um, how many of us have something that makes us flinch for no reason? I'll let you think about it for a second, all right? Makes you flinch for no reason. Like, you know, there are certain things that... To this day, they're not going to make you, they're not going to bring any harm to you. But for whatever reason, they will make you flinch. Let, let me give you an example. or Let me explain myself a little bit further. Exhibit A, the iron. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, if you've ever been burned by the iron, oh, you respect the iron. Like, I don't know about you, but you have some respect for that iron right there. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever been burned by the iron, you respect the iron. You approach the iron with care. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you approach the iron, you are very careful. I'll tell you right now, ain't nobody, you know what I'm talking about because this iron could be off for three days and you will never hold it by the silver metal part. You know what I'm, right? Or what about this? I'm, listen, I'm 38 years old and there's still things that make me flinch, tense up and get like, oh my, oh my God, oh my goodness. Like this is one of them, exhibit B. It's called the chancla. Like, um, till this day, I don't wear thong sandals because there's something that is powerful about that. It has left me traumatized. I look at this thing, and I'm still like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it makes you flinch and tense up inside. There are just some things that are just so traumatic. I mean, I've had some bad experiences with the chancla. It has superhuman powers. I'm telling you that right now. Because my mom is not a pitcher. But when she threw that thing at me, it always reached its target. Has anybody ever heard the word repent? By a show of hands, lift up your hands. If you know, if you've heard the word repent, repent. Let me see, let me see. Hands up. If you've heard the word repent or repentance, you've heard it, you've heard it. Almost every hand is up here. And you've heard this word repent. And this is my thought. If I could be honest with you, that I think that sometimes when we hear this word repent, the picture that we get in our head is something that looks like this. Can we put it up? Something that looks like that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Repent or perish. Repent, turn to Jesus or burn. Repent, the end is near. Repent, God, watch this, God hates you just the way you are. Repent! And let me tell you, if this is the image that comes to mind when you hear the word repent, you are traumatized. If it doesn't, God bless you, you are blessed. You see, the picture, if this is the picture that we get, then we may have had a negative experience with what was meant to be a blessing in our lives. Because the truth is that I absolutely enjoy talking about this word, repentance. And the reason that I enjoy communicating uh, regarding this word, repentance, is because I get the opportunity to share an accurate portrait of what repentance truly is according to the way Jesus painted it to be. I get this opportunity that I get to speak and because here's... I get to speak about repentance because here's the truth. It's not the iron that traumatized you. It's the experience you had with the iron that traumatized you. 
You see, it was, it, it, it's, it's not the chancla that traumatized you. It's the experience you had with the chancla that traumatized you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's the experience you had, but the moment you begin to understand what the iron is and what the chancla is, you get to rediscover that those things were actually, you get to rediscover that those things can actually be be a blessing to your life. Can I say this? In my experience, when I get the opportunity to share on this subject about repentance, it's one of my favorite subjects to share because people get to see an accurate picture. And I've seen people, like we've taught this in Matrix. Shout out to Matrix University. We get to see people just rediscover what repentance is. And so they get to see that repentance was never meant to be a curse in their life. Repentance was meant to be a blessing in their life. People have come to me in tears being able to say, wow, I always thought repentance was condemnation. I always thought repentance was something that was going to judge you. But when you begin to rediscover what repentance is according to the biblical portrait, you begin to see that it was never meant to judge you, but it was meant to bless you. That it was never meant to hurt you. That it was meant to heal you. That it was never meant to make you feel bad, but it was meant to make you feel more of God. Someone shall repent in the place. Repentance is a powerful notion. It's a powerful concept it's so important and we see this in the bible that you know it's important because i mean from the very beginning jesus steps into the scene the very message that jesus preached the very thing that jesus ever preached you want to know what it is i mean go get your cameras out right get your cameras out hit the record button where's the live stream jesus is about to preach the messiah is finally here what will the messiah say here's what he says he says the kingdom of god is here repent the very first thing out of Jesus' mouth in his first message, in his first sermon is, the kingdom of God is here, repent. See, some of you guys are still flinching. You're like, repent. You're still flinching. So repentance is absolutely important. You just know that by the fact that this verse it's the first message that Jesus ever preaches. But you also know that it's important because it's the thing, it's the thing that Jesus Christ is waiting for you to do before he returns. See, in first. Peter chapter 3, it says, the Lord is slow in keeping his promise, not as some may understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but what? But everyone to come to repentance. So from start to finish, from the very beginning, God steps into the picture in human form in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he says that he is waiting for those to repent in order for him to return. That he is delaying his return because he's waiting for people to repent. Man, repentance is one of, those, one of the most powerful, powerful things that you will ever do as a believer. And I think what happens is, is that what happens is that there's nothing wrong with repentance. Oftentimes is when we, see repentance, we're for repentance. We want repentance. We need repentance. But the problem is when we start distorting what Jesus meant when he said repentance. The problem is that when we start changing the meaning of what repentance is. And we start misusing the word repentance to hurt people and to condemn people and to judge people when it was never intended to do so. I'll give you an example. I mean, anybody ever seen, um, uh, anybody ever seen Undercover Boss? I love that show because the guy goes on the low. And so the president of um, Welcome to Moe's. I love, I love the show. The, wel the president of Welcome to Moe's, he, he, uh, or, or, or the president of Moe's Southwest Grill, he goes undercover. And he goes to visit one of his franchises, and they don't know he's the president of, of, of Moe's. And I love this because he goes undercover, and the first person that they introduce him to is the shift manager. And quickly, very quickly, he discovers that the shift manager is not running things the way he intended them to be ran. And so what happens is Moe's has one of the things, if you've ever noticed this, Moe's has one of these things that when you walk in, they go, welcome to Moe's. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You walk in like, welcome to Moe's. It's like, why, is there, why are they yelling at me? Like, I don't, welcome to Moe's. And what started happening is that he started executing and forcing people to say welcome to Moe's, but he, he didn't, he never injected the heart of why 
we do that. In other words, he started communicating a behavior that needed to be modeled without the heart that it needed to be said with. Said with. And so here you, got, here you have this uh, shift manager who is forcing his employees to, as people walk in, to be like, hey, make sure you say welcome to Mo's. And so people are like, welcome to Mo's. And quickly the president's like, hey, what in the world? This thing was meant to be an invitation to make people feel welcome, to make people feel like they are at home, and you're making it to, to, you're making it to just to execute a behavior, but you're missing out on the intention of why we do it in the first place. Can I tell you, when it comes to repentance, I am afraid that most of its original meaning and its intention has been lost. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm stepping into human, into the picture of humanity so I can begin to redirect people and show them what true repentance is. It's like if you have this invitation, I have this invitation from Maylene, right? I love this, right? It says, hello, 40. If you weren't invited, take it up with her. But my, my point is that, hello, 40, join us for dinner. Join us for dinner in honor of Mei Ling. Mei Ling. Because you guys are like, Mei Ling. What's, I thought it was Mei Ling. No, it's Mei Ling. Okay? Saturday, July 31st. And I'm afraid too many people have seen an invitation like this. And, and, and it's as if we are taking the invitation and we're going like, join us for dinner. Like, join us for dinner because I paid for the plates. And if you're not there, I'm never going to invite you again. What? This was never meant to be approached with an angry tone. Why have we lost some of the meaning? Because I genuinely believe that when it comes to repentance, Repentance is not an in-your-face confrontation. Jesus never used the vehicle of confrontation to speak about repentance. Jesus never used an angry tone to speak about repentance. It's never meant to be used in a tone, in an in a angry, in a judgmental way. When he says repentance, he's communicating an invitation that is now possible because he has stepped into the picture. And so what Jesus says, he says, he says, he says this, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. You can now believe in the gospel. What is he saying? You can now repent because I'm here. He's saying you can now repent because I'm in the building. You can now repent because I've brought everlasting life to you. Now you can repent. And there's too many people that are saying, hey, you need to repent. You need to repent. And you got to say, why? How? You know why? Because it's as equal for me to say, hey, can you do a backflip? Can I do a backflip? I'm 260-something pounds. I may not be able to. What does repentance mean? It's something simple. In the original language, it means change your mind. That's what it means. It, it's this word metanoeo. Metanoeo. Somebody say metanoeo. <laughs> metanoeo. It means a change of mind. It means, in, in the Greek word, it says a change of mind or to change one's mind. Metanoia or metanoeo. And so when Jesus steps in the, into the scene, I wonder what it is that he said. But not only what it is that he said, how did he say it? Because how many know the way you communicate something oftentimes has to do with the way, not only what you say, but the way you communicate it. See, oftentimes the picture that we get about repentance is this, you, you repent, Rep you, you got to repent. Don't you love when someone goes like this to you? That's not like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not like you should have known better tone, right? Like, yeah, you, sh you should have known, you, sh you know what you need to do, you need to repent. You know what you do, you need to repent. But when Jesus says repent, I, I, I genuinely believe it's not this word that we use in the English language, which is repent. It's this word in the Greek, which is metanoeo. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, 
in Mark chapter 1, he's saying, change your mind. Change your mind. And it's not just, watch this, it's not just a change in your mind or a change in distinction. It's a change in direction. And so when Jesus says, change your mind, he's not just saying make a distinction in the way you are. He's saying change the direction that you're going. Why? Because I'm here. Do you see the difference? He says, change the direction that you're in because why? Because I am here. It's a view, it's a change in view so that you can change in direction. It's a change of purpose. It's a change in direction. It's saying that I was headed one way, but this is the word picture of repentance. Here we go. Ready? Watch this. Repentance. Let's do it again. Repentance. Repentance just took place. That's why when people sometimes get on me, religious people, they don't get on your pastor. I know it's hard to believe, but religious people will get on your pastor and they'll be like, you don't preach enough repentance. And I'm like, I preach what leads to repentance. For the word of God says it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. See, it's not about preaching on telling people to repent. It's telling why they can repent. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. Too many times we are preaching repentance without letting people know that they can repent because the kingdom kingdom of God is he says the time has come Mark chapter 1 the kingdom of God is here repent and believe the good news but what is it that they heard at the time they would hear they would hear something that said something like this Kairos peple rotai basileo the us engliken metanoete piskevete evangelion. I just spoke Greek, y'all. I'm just saying that was, I just spoke Greek. I'm just, he's saying the time has come. Kairos pepe rotai. He's saying the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Basileo. Theus. Matanoete. Pistebete. Evangelio. He says now you can repent and believe in the gospel. Because the kingdom of God is here. This is the best way I can explain what it is that they heard in the original language. Watch this. When you hear the word repent, what, it is, what is it that you hear? Because this is what they heard. Watch this. Hey, the time, Kairos, the time of completion is here. God's royal power, Basileo, Theos, and Glican, and sovereignty is now before you. <laughs> Change your unbelieving mind to believe in this great message. What he is saying, what they heard is not what we often have been familiarized with hearing today. Because often what our concept of repentance, because it's been perpetrated, perpetrated through religious mindset, we look at repentance through a lens that it was never meant to be seen in. And so when you hear the word repentance, you hear things that you were never meant to understand. See, repentance is not simply turning from something. Repentance is not simply feeling sorry for the wrong you've done. I've been there, trust me. I've felt wrong and bad and terrible for the things I've done. And guess what? I've come to the altar call and I've cried boogers hanging out. <laughs> but I've not repented. Why? Because I never turned around. Now watch this. Because we all know we got to turn around. The difference is, is how is it that you turn around? Because if you turn around in your own strength, you will always turn back. See, oftentimes we're having a struggle and we're having a fight in our, in our life because we feel, like, we feel like we have to do it in our own power. And so we're turning around. But the moment things go left, what happens? We turn around again. And we're like, why, why is it that I've been serving God so long, but I'm turning around, I'm repenting. Because you're repenting in your own strength. You're repenting by feeling bad by the things you're doing. You're repenting because you think it's turning away from something. When you don't realize that repentance is more about what you're turning to, not what you're turning from. 
Let me tell you, every religion under the sun has a way to turn away from sin. Every religion has a sun has a, uh, under the sun has a way of stop with your bad habits. But when, when, when Jesus came into the picture, he is saying, listen, I'm coming into the picture. Not so that you can turn away from your sin, but that you can follow me. He never told Peter. He never told Andrew. He never told Matthew, hey, stop sinning and follow me. He just said, follow Do you, see, do you see what's taking place? Like, I remember having this conversation with this guy. He was like, he, because there's plenty of ways that you could turn away from your bad habits. This one guy, I remember he told me, he was like this. He was like, you know, Pastor Bro, I'm down to two sins. I said, bro, you're pretty darn good. He's like, yeah, and we opened up the Bible, sat in Applebee's, opened up, op opened up the scriptures, went page by page. Spoke to him about Jesus. He goes, well, I'm down to two sins. You know what I mean? I've been serving God sometimes and I only commit two sins. I'm like, you, you liar. That's what I wanted to tell him, but I didn't say that. You know, I was like, lying. You know, anyway. I said, can you do me a favor? Can you explain to me how is it that you're down to two sins? Just explain it to me. Explain it to me. How would you get so good? How would you get so good at not sinning? gave me about seven steps. He says, first I did this, this, then I did this, then I did this, then I did this, then I did this. I said, isn't it interesting that you just gave me seven steps and not once since you mentioned Jesus? Because you have found a way to turn away from sin that's absent from God, but this is why you continue to return back to your own vomit, because it's you doing the work, and your strength is futile. See, when we're speaking about repentance, it's literally saying, Jesus is saying to us, I am here now. Therefore, now you can respond to my kindness by turning towards me. Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. And this is the example I want to give you. If you before Staten Island was connected by the Verrazano Bridge to Brooklyn, there was no bridge. And in order for you to get to, from Staten Island to Brooklyn, you would, either, you would have to sail over to Brooklyn. You would have to take a boat over to Brooklyn. It was impossible. And that's what it was when it came to our relationship with God. He listened to me clearly. It was impossible for us to cross over. We would have to swim over in our own effort. We would have to set sail if we had a boat. And this is what a picture of religion looks like. It is possible through religion in your own effort and think you have this moral high ground of some sort. But when Jesus steps into the picture, it's like he became the Verrazano Bridge and he's saying, hey, guess what? I've made the bridge so that you can cross from death to life. I've made the bridge so that you can cross from darkness into light. I've made the bridge so that you can cross from sickness into to health. It is impossible to do it without me. But now that the kingdom of God is here, this is, the why, this is why the Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, you cannot find your way to God even if you had a GPS system. But he says, I am the way. What did he say? He said, you couldn't find the way, but I took, that, I took the way out of the ground and I brought it before you. And now all you got to do is turn around. And that's why I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout in this room. A bunch of religious people hated Jesus because of this very reason. That he kept bringing the way. He kept being good to sinners. He kept hanging out with them. And the Bible says this. The Bible says in one occasion as he was hanging out with them, they were like, hey, why is it that you hang out with such filthy sinners? Why is it that you hang out with people who don't deserve for you to hang out? You're a rabbi. They're just filthy, dirty sinners. They don't even want to know about God. And Jesus tells a story. And he says a story about um, a sheep. He says a story about a coin. He says a story about a son. A story about a sheep, a story about a coin, and a story about a prodigal son. And I love this story because he paints a perfect illustration of what repentance looks like. See, I love the end of every story that is mentioned here. He says, hey, there was one time this, this uh, shepherd, and he had about 100 sheep, and, 
And one of those sheep were hard-headed. We're going to call it, you know, we're going to call it Maylene. But, I mean, that's just hypothetical. We, they were just hard-headed. And they just went off and they ran. And, and this shepherd was, was a, a shepherd that cared so much about that sheep. And that, that shepherd went and he, and he found the sheep. And he brought it back home. And when he brought it back home, they threw a feast and they celebrated. And they threw a party. And now, this is the part that gets me. Watch this. It says, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God. I'm like, how did the, how did the sheep repent? Like, the sheep left. The sheep got stuck. The sheep is in the situation that it's in because it was hard-headed. How did the sheep? How did the sheep repent? Oh, this is what the shepherd this is what the shepherd does. This is the sheep. I know it looks like a dog, but it's not a dog, it's a sheep. This right. <laughs> Illustrations on a budget. Here we go. How did the sheep repent? It was just there. What did the what did the sheep do? <laughs> you ever thought about that? I love it because we hear the stories and be like, this is what it looks like for a sinner to repent. And then I'm like, how did the sheep repent? Oh, this is the picture. The picture of repentance looks something like this. Let me bring you back home. Re repentance is what? The sheep did nothing. The sheep just allowed itself to be carried back home. The sheep allowed itself to be carried back home. And then Jesus says, yeah, every time one of them repent, God throws a party when they get back home. Re repentance. And he says it was a woman. She had about a bunch of coins. And, and when she found she had a bunch of coins. But one of them, one of these coins got, they got lost. You know that was a rebel because it wasn't supposed to get off stage, and it did. <laughs> then this woman goes crazy, turns on the lamp. Then she cleans up the house. Then she gets mad at her husband for dirtying the house in the first place. That's my translation. It doesn't say that in the Bible. This woman is about to go broke, throwing a party that's more expensive than the very coin that she found. And she brings it home, and she says she calls the neighbors, and she's like, oh, my God, I found my coin. Who cares? I care because I love that coin, and that coin is special to me. And how did the coin repent? Oh, it allowed itself to be found. Jesus says this is what repentance looks like. It's like a coin that gets lost. But then a woman turns on the light, sweeps, picks up the coin, finds it, brings it home, home and throws a party. He goes, it's the same way with repentance. That when God finds you, cleans you up, turns on the light in your living room and throws on a party, that is a perfect picture of what repentance looks like. He goes, there was a man, he had two sons. One of them wanted his inheritance. He grabs his inheritance. He goes, he spends it on wild living. I mean, many people believe that, is, that he spent it on prostitution. And you might be like, I'm not spending it in prostitution, but you are spending it in something that you're selling yourself short for. The Bible says this son is now in a bad predicament and he returns back to his father waiting to talk to him and tell him how bad he's done and, and how, how he's in a bad situation. But if he can just give him a job. Hey, dad, I need a job. I'm not trying to be your son. I'm, I just need a job. The Bible says this. The Bible says that while he was away off. Watch this. While he was away off, in other words, that he saw him from a distant, raggedy, messed up, 
beaten, maybe unrecognizable, but the father always had his eye on him. The father, the picture there is that the father was always waiting on the stoop, hoping that his son will one day return so that he can make the race to reach him and catch him and bring him home and throw him a celebration. And the Bible says that this is a picture of repentance. And then you realize it was never about the shepherd. It was, ne it was never about the sheep. It was never about the coin. It was always about the woman. It was always about the shepherd. And it was always about the father. See, I hear the prodigal son story and I immediately want to identify with it. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I made it home. You know, I was out in the gutter, but I'm grinding and I made it back home. It's not about that. It was always about the father. See, this is called the parable of the prodigal son and ancient and, and through history we've known it to be that way. But it's really the, the parable about the good father. And this is what Jesus said he is doing. He's saying, I'm like, I'm like a woman that lost a lost coin. I'm, I'm like a, a shepherd that lost its sheep. I need to go to where they're at so that they can go to where I'm at. See, the kingdom of God is near. So now you can repent. And so we're so good at making ourselves the hero of the story and say, hey, you know what? I, I, I committed a sin, but I repented. How did you repent? Did you do it on your own again? When you looked at that thing you shouldn't have looked at, did you do it on your own again? When you said that word you shouldn't have said, did you do it on your own again? Or did you allow God's goodness to saturate you in such a way that it would turn you around, change your mind, change your perspective, change your view, change your heart, so that you can respond to his goodness and believe in his love? He says, I am the good shepherd. I am this woman who lost the coin. I am the good father. And, and I'm going to ask Mark, Mark to come here. Acts chapter 3, verse 26. And I'm just going to ask Anthony if you could come join me. I want you to catch this. Here's what the Bible says. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first. He sent them to you first to, to bless you. Did you catch that? By turning everyone of you from your wickedness. Huh? <laughs> you, guys are not, you guys didn't see it yet. You guys, you guys are about to see it now. God, having raised his servant, who, who is he talking about? Jesus. Watch this. God raised up his servant, Jesus, sent him to you first to bless you by turning everyone around. I've never seen this before. I always thought I had to turn around. I didn't realize that Jesus was sent to turn me around. Bless you by turning everyone around from their wickedness. What does it mean? Many times we think the picture of repentance looks like this. And I love this illustration that one of my favorite communicators used, uh, Judah Smith. We often think that if God, like this, repent, turn to me, stop sinning. Don't you know that I love you? Come to me. When he says God raised Jesus, God raised Jesus and sent his servant first to you. He sent him to your view. See, you would have never been able to reach God, but God sent Jesus. See, we think repentance is God calling on us and telling us to repent and commanding us to repent and saying, you need to turn around, look at me, face me. It's about time. Come on, you know me for so long. What? And the Bible says that, no, God sent Jesus to you. And look what he sent him. He sent to what? To turn you around. So what did you, Jesus do? He took on human flesh. He stood in front of you. He lived the life that you could not live. He died the death that you, cannot, you, you should have died. He was buried. He lived before you. And now he says, keep your eyes focused on me. Keep your eyes focused on me. Just keep your eyes focused on me. Keep your eyes focused on me. And before you realize it, You've repented. Before you even realize it, you've turned around. Before you even realize it, 
you didn't do it in your own effort. Why? Turn around. Because the Bible says that the goodness of God, as the worship team comes up, the goodness of God. What, what did God do? He sent his goodness to you. In the form of Jesus. He sent his goodness to you in the form of Jesus. And the Bible says that God's goodness, not his wrath, not his anger, not his determination, God's goodness, not God's holiness, God's goodness leads men to repentance. So God will keep showing you your goodness. You know why I repent every day? Because God keeps revealing to me another level of his goodness. Listen to me, Kuhau. Your repentance can't be predicated on how bad you feel about your badness. Your repentance needs to be predicated, steered, guided, directed by God's goodness. And when you realize that God's goodness is greater than your badness, then your repentance will be complete and permanent. The more you focus on your badness, the more you will remain there and focus there and say, well, I'm never going to get it. I'm always going to be stuck here. My badness is too much. But God says, no, I became your badness. I became your sin. I became your darkness. And now I'm just saying, look at me. Repented. I love these verses that we just throw out there. Deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. And we take that out of context. Well, you know, the Bible says that you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Did you not read Matthew chapter 16 where it says that Peter had a greater revelation of the Christ? It was only then that he was able to deny himself. You're denying yourself can't be about you. It has to be about Jesus doing the work in you. What about this? Romans chapter 12. Here we go. Listen, another example right here. Turn around. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Everybody say the next words. In view of his mercy. preach come on you got to present your body as living sacrifices holy and pleasing unto the Lord come on come on you got to present your body Paul didn't say that Paul said in view of God's mercy in other words when God's mercy gets in front of you and gets in your view Paul spends 11 chapters talking about the goodness of God and then he says, therefore, brothers, in view of all this goodness that I just spoke about, and about all his grace and about all his love, now you can present your bodies as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing before him. But the anchor to that verse is not your sacrifice, it's God's mercy. This has radically changed my life. I lived the kind of life where I thought that it was my earnestness and my steadfastness and my fastness and my devotion and my dedication and, and my fasting and my praying. And I thought all those things would be the thing that would lead me to God. And let me tell you, when you switch up the mindset that you don't do these things to come closer to God, you do these things because God has come close to you. It changes the way you live. Last verse, last verse. And I end here with one minute and 39 seconds. Come on, somebody. I am on a roll. I've seen this verse spoken over and over. If my people. This verse in the Old Testament. And I've seen Christians display an inaccurate portrait of God using this verse for Bible-believing Christians today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and it's always by someone who talks like that. 
If my people, and this is pleading and this striving and this earnestness, and they're like, yeah, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And then I will forgive their sins. And then I will heal their land. Listen, this is not the gospel. Listen to me clearly. As a Bible-believing Christian, there is no condition outside of your faith in Christ. What am I saying? That Jesus became what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus humbled himself, took on human flesh. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus sought God perfectly in a way that you can never do. Jesus became our wicked ways. Jesus came down from heaven. Forget about hearing from heaven. Jesus came down from heaven. And then I will forgive. Let me tell you something. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, every sin you've committed and will commit, past, present, and future, has been crucified on the cross of Calvary. And if this doesn't give you a license to sin, this gives you a license to live freely and live with joy and live in peace and live in harmony. Why? Because Jesus, because Jesus became the condition. For an Old Testament believer, this was a condition. But those who are in the New Covenant, the Bible says that there's a greater promise. And this is what it looks like. See, in the Old Covenant, it's, hey, if my people who are called by my name, what did Jesus do? He gave you his name. Jesus brought his name to you. If they humble themselves, what did Jesus do? He humbled himself and came to you. What did Jesus do? He prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. God, if it be my will, no, but if thy your will be done, then I will hear from heaven. No, heaven came down to hear from you. Not only to hear from you, but to speak to you directly through the person of Jesus Christ. Then I will hear from, and then I will forgive. And this is what Jesus did. He died on the cross so that you can. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise in this place. I don't know about you, but repentance is not simply turning away from your badness. It's turning to God's goodness and turning to God with your badness. So many times we're like, we got to leave our badness in the past. I'm like, no, bring your badness to Jesus. Bring your wickedness to Jesus. Bring your sin to Jesus. Bring your failures to Jesus. Bring your mistakes to Jesus. Bring your regret to Jesus. Bring your resentment to Jesus. Bring your sickness to Jesus. Turn to him. Turn to him. Last point is that repentance is an inside work as a result of believing in the gospel. So if you're here today, I want to pray for you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're watching in online, I want to thank you for continuing to watch. And I pray that you receive a great, greater revelation of God's goodness for it is not his it is not anything else but God's goodness that would lead you to repentance the Bible says that also godly sorrow leads to repentance not worldly sorrow godly sorrow what's godly sorrow it is a godliness that turns you to God godly sorrow is a sorrow that turns you to God that's what Jesus Christ did He turned you to God. Stop trying to do the repenting apart from Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't even, let me tell you. I don't even go to God with my sins like, God, would you forgive me? But, but Pastor Roe, the Bible says that if you confess with your heart and believe with your mouth, yes, that's one time thing. That's for those that don't believe. Read the scripture, Romans chapter 3. It says for those who don't believe, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. 
because I no longer need to ask God for forgiveness of my sins. I need to thank him that he's already forgiven me. It's a different look. The Bible teaches that we can thank God and come to the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he has forgiven us of our sins. And many times we spend so much time saying, God, forgive me. God, I'm sorry. And God is saying, no, thank me for what I've already done. That is continuous. That is continuous. That is continuous. Pastor Roy, are you talking about some narcissistic stuff? Don't feel bad for your wrongdoings. Don't, no. What I am telling you is that you need to, you need to reconsider how it is you repent. It's not a license to do what you want. It's a license to live free. Pastor Ro, how is it that you do what you do? I do what I do because I've repented. But how is it that you repent? Feeling bad for what you've done? You can feel bad for what you've done, but still not repent. I go like this, watch. This is how I repent. God, I love my sin. Let's be honest. I love my sin. I'm addicted to certain things that I do regularly. It's been 20 years and I'm still at it. It's only your love that can change me. Because I can't do it on my own. So God, what I am asking is for another revelation of your love. And it is your love that finds me, picks me up, throws me on your back, and carries every one of my sins on the cross of Calvary forever and ever and ever. So if you're here today, say I want to turn to God right now wherever you are get up on your feet say this with me say dear God I receive your love I believe that you died for me and rose again on the third day and from this day forth I am a new creation I repent before you in Jesus name amen once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.